You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. This is Kate. This is Megan. I'm here again. Yay! I mean, it's kind of like you're just a regular now. I know. I like it. I hope, you, guys, I hope you guys like it. <laughs> one of us. One of us. I don't get that reference. You don't? Uh-uh. It's like a cult thing. It's like one of oh. us. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Anyway, right. today we're doing a special episode. It is the question and answer Q&A. We are answering questions submitted by you guys on Instagram, on our Facebook page. We sent out a blast email to everybody too. And we got some good questions that we are going to tackle today. I like it. I'm excited for this. I'm kind of going in cold. You're going to ask the questions and I'm just going to give you my best answers <laughs> okay it's gonna be it's kind of like a consult it's just when clients come oh, in and yeah. they're like just rapid fire questions uh-huh. on you uh-huh. i like it <laughs> and me too it's my favorite thing but before we get into our q a we should probably talk about our sponsor wink wink for this episode <laughs> ourselves ourselves yeah <laughs> i mean yeah we we sponsor our own podcast and we do that with our daily accountability program it's our very own coaching program that's really unique to nutrition awareness. So tell them what the Daily Accountability Program stands for. So it stands for Daily Accountability (laughs) Program. Um, We've also, it's been suggested to me to call it the DIPDAP, um, Dietitian in Your Pocket Daily Accountability Program, which I think is hilarious, but also will not change the name to that anytime soon. So this came about because I had a client who was coming over to the office three days a week for consultations or we would do video and it was just it was a lot to do 30 minute sessions three days a week but he wanted day-to-day accountability and I didn't have anything to offer him so him and I kind of figured this out together that maybe we could do videos back and forth with each other every single day and so he would send me a video in the morning and then I would send him one back and so it was a way to hold him accountable every single day be in his inbox be in his pocket so to speak he would send me pictures of everything that he was eating he would send me photos of the scale people use it in many different ways now that's kind of how it started um but i've used it with so many different clients now that that's not how it always goes for everybody what are some ways that your clients use dap I have some people that follow it kind of how we planned it to be, where they send me their intentions in the morning, either through a video or through a text message. Some people use that audio feature. And then I always reply with a video and just kind of depending on the day, sometimes we talk a little bit more throughout the day and have some text back and forth. Lots of people send me pictures, lots of people send me emails and then to let me know that they sent me an email through the program. But I find the most successful people are the ones that touch base twice a day, once in the morning mm-hmm. and then wrap it up at night. So. Yep. What this program is designed to do is to kind of train your mind, for lack of a better term, to 
instill these healthy habits to last you a lifetime. Because we know that one of the biggest struggles with our clients is maintaining that consistency. It's kind of like they know what they need to do to reach their goal, they just don't. So this is an excuse-proof way to actually do the things that's gonna get you to where you wanna be day after day after day. So eventually, you don't need any kind of program, you don't need anybody holding your hand. It's like, I had a client describe it to me, he said it's the training wheels that he Mm, needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are very good at making goals they're also very good about forgetting them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you can be, you can make the absolutely perfect goal for yourself, but then the day-to-day accountability is what's lacking from that. And then a week goes by and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I had that goal, but you hadn't done any work to get any closer to that goal. So this is one way where people can set those goals at the beginning of the month and then every single day they're reminded of those goals through talking with us. And then at the end of the month, we kind of measure like, how well did that go? And some people only do the program for one month, but other people will do it for the long term and until they do reach their ultimate goal. So just kind of depending on what kind of person you are and how high level you want the interactions to be, it's a way of having a self-reflection, you making sure that you are keeping yourself accountable too, uh, because a lot of times just doing it for yourself isn't enough. You want to know that somebody else is checking up on you. For sure. It's not a program that should be taken lightly, we should say. That's why we made an application for the daily accountability program because we both only accept a few clients per month. That way we can give them very personalized attention. It's very interactive and it takes a lot of energy on both ends. So we only wanna make sure people who are very intentional and committed to the program apply. So we have an online application. I will go ahead and link that in the show notes below, or you can go ahead and type it into your, um, what should I call it? What do you browser? call it? Your browser. <laughs> <laughs> you can go ahead and type it in your browser. It is form.jotform.com slash nutrition awareness slash DAP. Now, again, I'll link that in the show notes, but if you want to apply and get more information about the Daily Accountability Program, it's not going to hurt. Just apply, and we'll reach out to you directly and make sure it's a good fit. Yep, and we'll make sure that um, you are the right type of person for that program, and maybe that program's not right for you, and we will come up with something else, a different way of us working together. You can also get there if you go to our website, orlandodietitian.com, and you click on our coaching page. At the very bottom of that, it describes the DAP program, and you can get to the application by clicking right there. For sure. Okay, let's get into the question and answer. We're going to start with the first question that we got. And this one was from Instagram, I believe. Or maybe it was Facebook. We asked on a bunch of different platforms, but it was some kind of social media. She said, sometimes my eating schedule gets messed up and I don't eat dinner until eight or nine when I get done with work. I don't want to not eat, but I also don't know what I should be eating at this hour. Any ideas? Okay, so first things first, the first question I would ask is, did you plan your day accordingly? Meaning like, do you have your dinner already planned ahead of time? So when you get home, is there something ready for you to eat? I think that would be number one. So obviously like, yeah, it's not ideal to be eating at eight or nine o'clock, but if I had to make that situation as ideal as I could is I'd be walking in the door opening up the refrigerator, I have something ready, I stick it in the microwave, something that's gonna taste good, something that's going to give my body the right fuel, and I would eat it then. So I don't wanna be getting home at eight or nine o'clock and then have no idea 
what I'm going to be eating. That's a worst case scenario because that's never going to go well. Yep, that's going to end in a bowl of Frosted Flakes <laughs> and <laughs> maybe another bowl of Frosted Flakes because they just taste so good. Two kind bars, some Halo Top. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of the, all the things, all the things. I like how you said, what kind of fuel does your body need? Because we don't know this specific person's day-to-day activity. And so if she was somebody who came back from a really active job where she's up on her feet, she's probably going to need to re fuel differently than somebody who just sits at a desk all day and doesn't do a whole lot of exercise or weight-bearing activity. So of course we want you to have a balanced meal that tastes good, but when you're asking you don't know what you should be eating, think and consider your daily activities. I mean, if you're not burning through fuel, you don't need a large meal full of really quick digesting carbohydrates. You need a healthy balance, but probably more emphasized on the protein. And there's a lot of science that actually backs that up, especially if you are active, if you are an athlete, or if you're elderly. Because when you sleep, your body's repair process is super efficient, meaning it's repairing your muscles, it's doing all of the things to help you recover and get ready for your next day. And studies have shown that protein really amplifies this process because your body is secreting that growth hormone. So if you maybe had a workout that day or you're up on your feet, it's really important that you optimize this time to get in enough protein to recover your muscles. And then of course, balancing that with healthier carbohydrates, the ones that have a lot of fiber and then healthy fats to make sure that you feel full and you don't go back into the fridge and keep snacking. Also, one thing to consider is that your body can handle a high amount, a higher amount of carbohydrate earlier in the day than it can at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. So while carbohydrates are not the enemy, think about what they are. They are the thing that provides your body with fuel and energy. You don't need a ton of energy to go to sleep on. So while we don't want to cut out carbs completely, because oftentimes if you have a meal that's really sensible, like maybe salmon with some greens and broccoli or whatever like overall it looks really healthy but there's not really any carbohydrate in that that could then cause you to want sweets afterwards and since you were so hungry throughout the day your hunger levels are probably higher than they should be you end up binging on something sweet so we want you to have some carbohydrate like throw some sweet potato in there throw some quinoa in there but that being said If you have an ice cream sundae at the end of the day, that's when your body is least likely to be able to handle that. It's sad, but an ice cream sundae is actually better for you to have at 8 a.m. than it is at 8 p.m. Your your pancreas is working better. Your body is able to secrete insulin. The cells are able to take that in a little bit better than they are at the end of the day. So it's just like you. If you work a 12-hour shift and then they ask you to complete some project for me, it's probably not going to be the best project you've ever done after a 12-hour workday. It's the same thing with your body. Your body has been working all day, so at the end of the day, if you're giving it a big project, which digesting and breaking down a big banana boat Sunday, <laughs> made that up, um, it's probably not going to be the best idea. So don't be afraid of the carbohydrates. Still have some, but keep in mind that's not the ideal time to put a ton of carbs in. <laughs> I second that. I'm just thinking about the banana boat because isn't that sunscreen? Yeah. I, Please don't need that any time of day. <laughs> hoping that you didn't bring that up. I was I tr- was trying to say banana split and then like also Sunday at the same time and I was just thinking about Dairy Queen and then I like I don't know something happened. In your defense, when you split a banana, it kind of looks like a boat. 
this is, and when you put it as like the banana split it has the two things on the side it could be like ors i don't know let's let's please get off of this <laughs> we'll move on to the next question <laughs> i hope that answered the first question pretty well from you but i mean this is maybe the most disappointing answer that we give a lot is it's going to base be based off your schedule so to really fully answer that question what you should be eating before bed we'd want to know what you're doing throughout the day especially the hours leading up to bed The other thing is, too, is ask yourself, like, what can you change about your schedule? So something about your schedule is not working right now. So if you have that issue, how can we change it so that you're not having that issue anymore? I know when I work late on Mondays and Tuesdays, oftentimes I'd bring my dinner with me. So I'll eat at, like, 5 or 6 when I have a break in between clients, and I won't eat dinner when I get home at 8 o'clock. So that may be an option for this person. And yeah, you get into that habit of like, well, I just eat dinner when I get home, but I'm not actually hungry when I get home because I already had dinner. So is it the habit that you just need to eat something when you get home? Or could you actually be fueling your body earlier by taking a break from work or eating after your workout or whatever it is? And it doesn't have to be a traditional dinner either. It could be a really satisfying smoothie. You throw in some almond butter and some yogurt and things like that and you drink that on the go and then you don't necessarily have to have like the traditional dinner when you get home. Word. Okay. What are your thoughts on reverse dieting? This is a question from our Instagram. Well, first of all, let's explain to listeners what reverse dieting is in case this is a new term for someone. So reverse dieting is basically when you strategically increase your calories at a certain rate to and the purpose is to to uh, increase your metabolism and you do it over a period of several weeks or months with the end goal to increase your energy burning efficiency so it's just the opposite of a diet instead of cutting calories you slowly and strategically increase them mm-hmm. i think my goal would be for people to not get to this point in the first place yep. but that's not the world that we're living in A lot of times you see this with people who are in specific competitions who are doing things that are physique related like bodybuilders, um, ballet dancers on the in season compared to their off season. So that's why a lot of times you see these certain competitors and how different their body looks in the off season than it does on the in season. This is um, one of the things that they do. So if they're on a thousand calorie diet leading up to the competition, maybe a week later they'd be on a 1200, the week after that a 14, the week after that a 16, and so on and so forth. I used to date a guy that did MMA fighting, like Mm -hmm. the UCF fighting kind of thing, and he would slowly but pretty drastically decrease his calories to make weight, and you'll see this in wrestlers, and it was crazy to watch how skinny he would get and then right after weigh-ins it was like (laughs) he just inhaled food and blew up again and that over and over and over again can kind of wreak some havoc metabolically yeah how many studies have there been where they've showed that people that lose weight gain it back lose weight gain it back lose weight gain it back and then compared that to people who just maintain their weight over time the people that lost it and gained it back are so much more unhealthy in many different factors from lab work to risk of diabetes all of those things and the people that just kind of maintained it over time so those yo-yo diets are not helping in terms of health oh not at all and mentally they really screw with you too but that's a whole different situation a whole other discussion for a different day right i think we both agree that when we have clients come in who have told us oh i've been on and off all of these diets i've done the thousand calorie diet the 1200 calorie diet i've done this and that 
If we start to get an idea that over the past two years they have been restricting their calories, we have to have that upfront talk. And a lot of times this is really, really hard to hear. And that's, okay, we maybe need to pump the brakes on the weight loss goal a little bit right now and start to slowly get you to a place where your body is ready to burn fat. Because if you have been restricting your calories for so long, your body recognizes that energy is not plentiful and it's smart and it adapts and it slows down your metabolism to make sure you've got energy on your bones so you don't die. It's your body's way of keeping you alive and taking care of you. So we have to slowly but surely increase how much you're eating. That way your body can catch up. But that might not mean you're going to lose weight for a while, and that's okay. We're just going to get you back into the position where if you want to revisit weight loss goals, your metabolism will be high enough and you will be mentally in a better place to start manipulating your portions or different foods to lose weight. You can kind of switch your goals. Yeah, and I think this concept can be used in a positive manner. For example, like if I have someone who's been on a 1,200-calorie diet for the past two years, like I'm not going to immediately tell them, okay, start eating 2,000 calories now because, (laughs) number one, that's going to feel uncomfortable for them physically. It's going to be uncomfortable for them mentally as well. So by taking it in a stepwise fashion and saying like, okay, like let's maybe try 1400 see how that feels for you. Does it feel like you're shoving food in your face or does this actually make you feel a lot better and you have higher energy levels? And will that result in in weight gain? Maybe it might. It might result in your body just leveling out. It may result in your body losing weight because now it's finally getting the amount of calories that you need. I've seen all three things Mm -hmm. happen many times. It completely depends on the person, depends on the body. Um, There is no like scientific answer to, I get this question all the time, what will happen to me when I increase my calories? Well, there's one of three things. You will lose, you will gain, or you will maintain, and we don't know until that happens. But we have to put you through that process in order to get you to the point where you don't have to be on a 1,200-calorie diet for the rest of your life. Yeah. If the 1,200-calorie diet isn't working, then that's a big sign that you need to try something else. So increasing your calories is the next best move. And you know, like you said, you don't have to go to 2,000 calories. You might not need 2,000 calories. Yep. It's just inching it up slowly and slowly to where you can find a good medium, something that fuels you, makes you feel satisfied, and doesn't make you feel like you are stuffing your face, like you said. Because the other option is to decrease your calories, right? And there's only so yep. low you can go, and that's only going to add fuel to the fire. I'm a recovering 1,200-calorie dieter. I mean... <laughs> I, in college, for sure, that was my mark that I wanted to hit. And this was, I think, before my fitness power, I would write everything out. And 1,200 calories was definitely my goal for the day that I wanted to stay between. So I can I can definitely tell you that I am, I've recovered <laughs> from that. Uh, the other day, I threw what I was eating in my fitness pal uh, for a totally different reason, like something to have to do with a client. And I was at 2,100 calories for three days in a row. And I was like, oh, damn, like, this is what, how much you can eat now? <laughs> just because I don't, yeah, I don't track on the day-to-day basis. It's uh, specifically just not good for my mental health. I get very obsessive about it. You've probably heard me say that before. Um, so I don't do it on the day-to-day, but it's crazy to me. Like, you know, and I could compare my weight from college to now, and it's either the same or within five pounds. So I was within the same five pounds of eating 1,200 calories a day or eating 2,100 calories a day. And I would say now if I had if I had to say which body looks better, I would definitely say this one looks better for sure. So just know that, yes, there may be a time period where you are gaining weight, but also know if you keep at it, you can get to the point where you're much more comfortable and not having to do that 1,200 calorie thing. 
I felt like we were at an AA meeting for... Exactly. <laughs> for I never coming to Hi, Megan. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yep. So let's go on to the next question. I hope we answered that one to completion for you guys. Again, if you have more questions or want us to expand on any of these, just shoot us a DM at our Instagram. It's at nutrition.awareness. Our next question is, what are our recommendations for reducing cortisol levels? So if you don't know what cortisol is, it's our primary stress hormone. And when it's all out of whack, that can cause a lot of havoc on our body, including fat gain specifically in that midsection that's where ten, people tend to see high cortisol the reason being there's a lot of cortisol receptors on our midsection so if it's really really high it tends to pick up the extra weight there my first recommendation for anybody who is asking about reducing their cortisol level is to make sure you actually have high cortisol with a blood test the reason being a lot of People are talking about adrenal fatigue and they're talking about high cortisol on Instagram. And just because you feel tired doesn't mean, or maybe, you know, just because you feel stressed or tired doesn't necessarily mean you have high cortisol. It's a test you have to specifically request when you go and get your labs done. It's not just in the basic panel, the blood lipid panel. It's not even in a basic hormone panel. So make sure you ask for it specifically and confirm that you actually do have high cortisol. I would say, and and if you're not willing to go get the test done and you suspect that you have high cortisol, the treatment for bringing down cortisol is the same treatment that we would use to bring down stress. So we need to first ask, like, what are your major stressors? We figure out what those things are. We figure out what are the things that help you relieve stress, or do you have good stress relieving techniques, or do you not have good stress relieving techniques? And if your only stress relieving technique is watching Netflix, I'm sorry, that does not count. That's just putting things out of your mind for a while. It's not a stress reliever, it's just a break. Like, we need to actually put in some things that will actually bring those stress levels down. So I think the recommendations are very personalized. Once we figure out what's actually causing that stress, what are you putting your body through that's causing that extra strain? And then we try to alleviate those things. From a nutrition perspective, what are some things that you find to be really helpful to reduce stress in terms of how people are eating, where they're eating, what they're doing while they're eating? Yeah, well, if you're not eating all day long, and then at seven, eight o'clock, you're eating 1700 calories. That's probably stressful for your body to all day be starving. And so that's a stress for your body to starve, starve, starve. And then here's 1700 calories. Here's 2000 calories. What are you going to do with that? Well, that's a stress too. Yeah. Just dumping a bunch of most likely not so healthy things on your body at once. If you've gone all day without eating is certainly a stress. And on top of that, you know, If you then have this kind of binge episode, you probably aren't going to feel too great about yourself afterward. And if you have feelings of guilt or shame after eating, that in itself causes stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For many people, that results in trying to combat this guilt or shame by restricting again the next day. And you can see how this can be a vicious cycle for somebody who's putting their self through starvation, stressing their body out by dumping a bunch of food on it at once, and then feeling mentally stressed about it afterwards. Yep, agreed. There's been a lot of talk in our Facebook group recently about relationships and how like certain relationships are causing stress to whether like what they're people judging what they're eating or yelling at them for having certain things or all of their opinions coming at them. And that's something like whether you're eating healthy or not, that's affecting your stress 
level. So you could be eating the healthiest meal in the world, but then have all of these thoughts, whether it's coming from another person or whether it's coming from you, asking yourself, like, is this kale going to kill me? Is this chicken free range from the farmer down the street? Like, all of those things when you're sitting there and you're eating that food and those thoughts are in your mind are going to affect how you digest and receive that food. And that sounds very woo-woo, but it's true. Like, if you're eating in a relaxed environment and you're focusing on that food, that meal is going to feel a lot different than one that you're shoving in your face while driving down I-4. That is the worst place on planet <laughs> Earth to eat. If you are not local to Orlando, I-4 is a dumpster fire of a highway. People on there are ruthless. If I ever saw anybody eating on I-4, I would give them a round of applause for their bravery because that is a life or death. Can you imagine eating like cereal oatmeal or something while you're going down I-4 putting on your mascara. Something with a spoon? I can't even imagine <laughs> using a utensil. I would be, if, if I were eating cereal on I-4, I would use my hand and I would stop it up like I was at the riverbank by the Mississippi. There is no way I could balance both of those. But anyway, that would be our biggest nutrition-related recommendations for high cortisol or high stress. Another similar thing to just to bring up is to consider your workouts and whether you're overdoing it. So if you are constantly putting your body under high intensity workouts six days per week, consider slowing down or cutting back and replacing some of that exercise with things that are a bit more restorative, whether that's yoga, stretching, or even just light walking. It I know that can be kind of a, a mental thing to break. I know for me that was really, really hard because I liked to go hard on my workouts multiple times a week. It was almost addicting and it was harder for me to slow down. I used to gawk at people that walked as a workout. I was like, <laughs> you're walking? Like, look at me. Wait. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, when you are putting like lifting up heavy weights or running long miles over and over again every single day, you're putting your body under a lot of stress. And a little bit of stress is great. It's good. It's healthy to do those high intensity exercises once in a while if you're physically able. But if you're doing that over and over again, weeks and months at a, on time, and you're not seeing any results, you're just feeling worse, that's a sign to cut back and maybe start exploring some new activities. And asking yourself, like, is this activity causing me stress too? Like just mental stress. I actually, a friend, not a client was talking to me about, you know, she was talking to her therapist and had a conversation where they figured out that her going to the gym was actually causing her more stress. And she cited the gym as a stress reliever, but because she had all of these specific goals and she was tracking every single rep that she did. And if she moved up in weight and was pressuring herself, she was a perfectionist, everything, she had to be better every single time she went in. And all of the people around her in this gym were like the super fit people. And so she's judging herself looking in the mirror next to all these other super fit people they actually figured out that it was a stressor not a stress reliever and so she needed to take a break from that Mm -hmm. change her routine and do something that was more fun for her so she started playing tennis she started swimming she started doing things that she actually just enjoyed the activity of doing versus i need to go in here hit these specific goals hit these specific weights and do all that and so she got better results from doing i would say like an easier so-called workout but her body um, responded to that better than it did what she was doing. That's amazing. Previously. Yeah. I'm glad she figured that out. Because I know. Because the gym is such a stressful environment. I mean, just even the physical environment, weights clanging around, people grunting. I mean, it's, <laughs> most places aren't the most aesthetically pleasing. Like, you don't... 
There's very few traditional gyms that you walk into and you're like, oh, oh I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> no, usually you're listening to like really high intensity music. Like yeah. if you're like me, it's like banger. Like yeah. you know? <laughs> There was actually something I was listening to. It was somebody's podcast and they were explaining how, actually I think it was Jamie on the Joe Rogan podcast. But he's really smart if you don't know who he is. But he was explaining how when you listen to music at a certain decibel level, like when it's high, your brain actually takes a lot of energy just to process how loud that oh. music is and how it can affect everything else and so you can see how if your body's using more energy just to go through music and let your brain process it while you're doing these really stressful high intensity exercises that actually can not only make your um, actual physical performance decrease but that can just add an extra stress layer to your activity that kind of makes sense too because when i used to do sprint workouts on the treadmill i would have to turn the music up really high and so because my if my brain was using all of its energy to process that music i was thinking less about how bad it sucked (laughs) (laughs) doing that sprint workout so maybe that's why that made sense but i also can't hear anything now so damaged (laughs) damaged my ears by doing that for so many years spring chickens learn from our mistakes the new the new um all the different earbuds that we have now do not none of them go up high enough for me now like i the old ones would you just blow your eardrums out none of these go up high enough so needless to say i don't really do a whole lot of sprint workouts anymore <laughs> so there you go <laughs> sprint uh, i remember the treadmill sprinting workouts those were like all the rage back when i was in college and i was like this is how i'm gonna get shredded <laughs> and it's like now i get anxious if i'm on the treadmill if i'm going over like nine miles per hour i'm like i'm gonna slip and break my face i don't know how i did this when i was 20 yeah but anyway i'm sure some people still still love it i used to love it for sure let's move on to our next question why oh i love this question okay why do i lose my willpower at night i find myself doing okay until i get hungry before bed and often i cannot stop myself from eating an excessive amount rather than a small snack to hold me over well if this isn't half of our clients problem i don't know what is the problem of the entire american population is this i would say the first question that i would ask this person would be what do you mean by you do okay during the day? Because this might be phrased as I do good all day long, I eat good, I eat okay, I follow my plan. And usually that equates to underfueling, undereating. Yeah, so you wake up and you have coffee for breakfast, or you maybe have a quick kind bar or something as you run out the door and then lunch is a salad and then by the time you get home you're hungry hmm i wonder why (laughs) and so it's like you do good but you do good or you do well because you're not thinking about food all day because you're go 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 you're dropping the kids off at school you're going into your job you've got this project and this meeting and your boss wants this and you've got this email and all these things coming at you all day long so you're able to turn off the cues that your body is actually sending you to tell you that it's hungry you're turning those cues off but you'll probably notice as soon as you have a moment like maybe you do eat lunch and then afterwards there's a little lull there and you're like oh i want more i want more i want more but you're like nope 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 can't have more can't have more but then when you get home home you don't have all that distraction so all of a sudden all of the hunger comes on and it comes on hard and it comes on fast and you're heading to the pantry so it's it's what you're doing during the day like it's not about changing what you're doing at night it's not about your willpower it's about changing what you're doing during the day 
I would add another layer to that too is if you are following some kind of restrictive plan or maybe you kind of have this subconscious idea of what eating well looks like and it's based on a restrictive diet, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that 1200 calorie diet where you eat really low fat and you eat just a bunch of vegetables and lean protein and you don't eat substantial meals in an effort to save calories or save macros, whatever you're planning. And then nighttime comes around when, like Megan said, you're more aware of your hunger cues and you've ex- you know expended a bunch of mental energy throughout the day doing all of these things. Well, it's gonna be a lot harder to abide by these arbitrary rules that you've created when you're tired and you're physically hungry. And that can also provoke that binge-like episode. So the secret is to eat more during the day and make it a priority. It is shocking. In fact, I had a client on Monday, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and she texted me yesterday. She's like, it's only been two days and I'm eating more during the day and I don't have any cravings after dinner and I'm hardly even hungry for dinner. I have to purposely serve myself a smaller portion because before she wasn't eating hardly anything during the day. I think her breakfast was like some kind of Fit Crunch bar if she even ate it. She had some yogurt with peanut butter for lunch. Uh, If she had another little snack, it would be another bar and then she'd eat dinner and then it was so hard for her not to just keep eating around 7 or 8 p.m. And just with two days by eating more earlier in the day, she hasn't even been that hungry for dinner. Yeah, your your body is really good at overriding your ability to have willpower. And plus, willpower goes down throughout Mm -hmm. the day because you have to make decision after decision after decision. There's a thing called decision fatigue. I'm sure you've all heard of it. After you make 20 decisions, you're not going to make the best decision for the 21st decision. And so at the end of the day, with all that decision fatigue having already happened, with all your willpower having been used, and now you have your body sending you these survival signals of, hey, I need food now because you didn't give it to me all day it's almost impossible for you to just be like let me use my willpower and only eat three ounces of chicken breast two ounces of sweet potato and three ounces of broccoli it's not enough so sad (laughs) it's not it's it's simply not enough and so i think a lot of people are very nervous about increasing their calories at breakfast so to have a five or six hundred calorie breakfast for a lot of women is unheard of like they're used to you know 200 300 calorie max so to get them to do that is a little bit scary at the beginning but then to see your performance go up whether that's at work or in your workouts because you are better fueled is one of those cues that you can use to say like okay my body is actually really liking this but then also like because people we're just so conditioned to like have the small amount of calories at the day to save it for the end of the day but if you think about it like you don't need all that energy at the end of the day you're watching netflix you're maybe folding some laundry you're taking a shower you're cleaning out the kitchen you're not doing a whole lot at night for most people yeah agreed plus i would say you know how you were talking about uh your performance would go up think about your relationships. When you are starving all day long, you are irritable, you're hangry, you are short-tempered. It is so fun when people tell me that their boyfriends start to notice mm-hmm. how much less mm-hmm. moody they are when mm-hmm. they start eating more. Yeah. And that's always fun too. It's fun for everyone. People will like you more. Just eat. Yeah. And another thing is like when the significant other notices that you aren't talking about food all the time, you're like, wait, like, you're not talking about food all the time. Like, you're not obsessed about, like, what our next meal is going to be. That's a sign that your body is adequately fueled. Your brain is going to push you to think about food because as a hunter and gatherer, that's going to make you go need to gather food if your brain is thinking about it. Yeah. 
So just trust us. This would be a challenge I have for anyone listening to this. If you're someone who saves your calories, give yourself five days. Five days where you purposely eat a big breakfast and a big lunch, or maybe it's a medium breakfast, medium lunch, whatever that looks like for you, and a couple snacks, and just notice your hunger levels before or after dinner. Just jot them down on a piece of paper or put them in your notepad on your phone. Just do it for five days and observe the changes. Mm -hmm. Don't be scared. Just like Megan said, you're not supposed to be saving your calories. The reason why people overeat at night is because they're not eating up during the day. Just flip the script and you will feel so much more relaxed about food and you will have that mental energy, that quote unquote willpower to make healthier decisions. So if you're making healthier decisions at your bigger meals, then you're probably going to be eating less calories overall throughout the day and more nutrition. One additional thing I would add to that is if you feel like you're already having an adequate breakfast and an adequate lunch, but maybe you're eating lunch around noon and then you're not having dinner till 6 p.m., that's a pretty long window to go, especially if you're doing your workout after work to not have any fuel in the system. So I would challenge you at three or four o'clock to have a substantial snack with complex carbs, with protein, with some healthy fat. That means no, not just grabbing an apple, not just having one little handful of almonds, not having a 100 calorie pack. It needs to be something substantial because the purpose of a snack is to get you from one meal to the next. I would bet that that would decrease the cravings that you're having when you walk through the door for you to be able to make a better decision for dinner rather than raiding the pantry. So like depending on your schedule, but maybe that three, four o'clock, it is probably time for you to get more fuel in. Does this mean I can't have a Kit Kat bar at 3 p.m.? That's probably not the I'm not saying you can't, but it's probably not going to be the best thing because your blood sugar level is going to go up, it's going to drop back down, you're going to get sleepy, and then guess what you're going to crave when you get home? Chips, cakes, candies, whatever's quick, whatever's easy, because that Kit Kat bar is not fueling you despite the amount of calories that it has. You know what else people do is they try to subside hunger with coffee or tea or zero calorie drinks. Don't do that either. If you want to drink a coffee with your substantial snack, be our guest, but don't just rely on warm beverages to fill your stomach and pass time. So that caffeine is an appetite suppressant. So that feeling of hunger may subside at that three, four o'clock zone when you do have that coffee, But let me tell you, it is going to come right back and it's going to come roaring back and you're going to notice and you're going to eat more for dinner. So you might as well have your coffee along with your snack if you're having that, if you need that afternoon caffeine to get you through the rest of the day. Word. Okay, we have time for one last question. This is a kind of broad one. It says, this was on our Facebook page, which we've mentioned that a few times here. We have this Facebook group that we are pretty active on. I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes, but you can just search it in the Facebook groups section if you are a Facebook user. It's called Emotional Eating Help, but I'll link that below because it's just easier to click it. So the question was, why can't I stay consistent? And I'm just going to assume this means consistent with a diet or eating plan or exercise routine so it's a pretty big question but it's one that we get a lot why can't that's it why can't i stay consistent you need dap (laughs) (laughs) and that's it (laughs) well it's it's true well if you can't say consistent there's a lot of different reasons uh i would say one big reason you can't say consistent is because you're just kind of uh, this is what i see with a lot of people they just kind of like pick a diet and go for it Mm -hmm. i guess and they don't realize that they're 
are consequences to how you eat, right? So if you are just picking a bunch of arbitrary rules to follow and they aren't realistic or they aren't in line with your lifestyle or you just don't like the way you're eating because you don't like the food, well, of course you're not gonna stick to it. I mean, who would stick to that? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So I would say the first thing would be be really strategic and put thought into what not only your ideal outcome looks like and what you actually want to achieve, but how you can realistically get there over time without hating your life. Yeah, and like it's like, what does consistency mean? So if and, and it, are you going after the right goal? So like, if your goal is to have no sugar, that's gonna be really hard to be consistent forever mm-hmm. on having no sugar. Maybe you can go a few days, but like your body's gonna start craving the blueberries, the mango, the cake, the cookies, the whatever because you're not having any sugar. So maybe you could make it ten days without having it. And then you beat yourself up because you can only make it 10 days. So, like, is that the right goal in the first place? Like, why are you trying to have zero grams of sugar? What's the end game here? Is it just, like, is it weight loss? Is it you want to have better lean muscle mass? Like, well, I think we need to change the goal from zero grams of sugar to something that is more sustainable that will enable you to be more consistent. You know what I find, and and tell me if this is something you experience too, you know, we both ask this question a lot when people make an appointment. We say, you know, what is your goal for this appointment? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes people will just say something like, I want to be healthier. I want to feel better. Yeah. And they don't really have an idea of what that means. They just kind of, they know they want to be better. They know something's off. They know that they need to be eating healthier. They need, they know they need to be improving their health, but they don't really know what they're working towards. And so one way that I have found to be really beneficial for people to stay motivated and stay consistent, whatever that means to them, is to have a crystal clear idea of what they're working towards. And it doesn't have to be a weight. It doesn't have to be a certain pant size. It should be an overall, how do you want your life to look? When you wake up in the morning, how do you want to feel? What do you, what, what do you, how do you want to show up to work? How do you want to improve your relationships? How will being healthier impact your overall life or what will it cost you if you don't get healthier and then when you can kind of have that conversation it brings the end point even though we all know there is no end point until you're really dead but it brings that goal to light and makes it more real and when you feel it and you actually can embody what you're working towards staying consistent itself is just a little bit easier i asked the client today in five years from now, what do you want your life and your day-to-day to look like? And so, because she had been doing all these different, you know, keto and intermittent fasting, and, like, she'd done so many things, tried so many different things, like, so many different exercises, like, I really needed to get to the heart of, like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to happen? So, five years from now, what does that look like for you? And so, she was able to, like, take me through, like, you know what? Like, hopefully in five years I'm getting ready to start a family or I have started a family and I'm able to make Christmas cookies with my kids without freaking out about it like without eating all 24 of the cookies that we make and then saying no kids sorry we can't make Christmas cookies together because mommy can't freaking handle it like not cool right she said I I'm not crying I'll just (laughs) I'm crying though (laughs) She said, she said, I want to be able to have, like, one of my favorite appetizers is a spinach dip, like, spinach dip with chips. I want to be able to, like, go somewhere and have that and not beat myself up about it or be off the rails for the next three days because I went 
and did that. So it was really like there were many more things that she said, but it was really envisioning herself five years from now. And it's that's enough time to kind of divorce yourself from the person that you are right now to the person where you want to be. And then we can take step backwards to say like, what are the steps that we need to take to get you to that place? And the steps we need to take to get to the, that place is not zero grams of sugar every day. I can guarantee you that. It's more than 1200 calories. <laughs> it's more than spending... 45 minutes a day tracking every single morsel of food you put into your body. It's it's a lot more than that. That was a good last question. I know. I think it's a great place to end. Well, guys, I, if you guys liked this question and answer episode, this is the first one we've ever done. Let us know and we'll do more of them. You can submit to, you know, any questions to us in multiple different ways. We're on all the platforms. I would say Instagram is probably the quickest and best way to reach us mm-hmm. for questions. So we're on Instagram at nutrition.awareness. Follow us, DM us, share our pics with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Let us know if you like this too and like this format because we get lots of questions all the time. So we could really just recreate the questions that we're getting from clients pretty often too. Cool. All right. Well, we will see you guys on the next episode and thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.